Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. I want to encourage all of you, our Christian life has a great message. The Lord Jesus is still alive. He was resurrected. We are worshiping the living God. The gods of other religions are still dead, still in the tomb or in the ground. Are you glad that our God overcame death, overcame sin and bondage? Wow, so exciting to be a Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the Word of God today? Could you please put the seatbelt on? I will not allow you to get out of the chair. You need to put the seatbelt on. Okay. Praise God. We're going to continue to talk about the way of victory. This is lesson number eight. I have taught many of this, and please get the teaching from the CD table. Um, you can get the uh, memory stick and download. Go listen in your iPad or your iPhone. Listen about the way to victory. It's a very important message. I don't want to, you to miss the prior messages. Very important to you. I believe that it's a key to your victory. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, we ask you, Lord, to teach us today by your Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to hear what you need to say to us, Lord. We don't want to be just hearers of your word, but we want to be doers. We want to practice what we learn. And we know, Lord, if we practice what we learn, we're going to be like a house built on the rock that when the storm, the rain, or the flood comes, we will be put to stand to the end. Lord, we want to be that kind of house. We're going to put your teaching into practice by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many people say, I'm waiting on God to help me. But in fact, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to come to Him and to repent. The problem is that people get into trouble because they don't repent. Repentance is the way out from calamity, destruction. And repentance is the way back to fellowship with God. Does God want anybody to perish? No, zero. He doesn't want even one person to perish in this earth. Are there people on earth perishing? Yes. Why people are still perishing? Because human beings have free will. 
We can choose to believe and obey, or we can choose to do our own things. And if we choose to do our own things, stubborn and rebellious, we get into trouble, and that is not God's will anyway. He wants to restore you. He wants to, to get out from perishing or destruction. And what is the alternative to perishing? Repentance. Repentance is not a popular word in the church today. You rarely hear this word. But it's very important word. Important grace of God. Repentance is a manifestation of the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God. Repentance is a gift from heaven. God gives us the opportunity to get out of the trouble, of the problem that we get ourselves in. And he also gives us the way to come back into the full fellowship with him and live in the blessing and the favor of God. Repentance is the key. Amen? It's the alternative to preaching. I like this scripture. I want to ask you to listen carefully, all the believers and especially leaders in the church. Listen carefully. I believe this scripture is so important to all of you. Listen carefully. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. I'm going to read it slowly, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will imprint this scripture into your heart. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone. How many people are servants of God? I believe all of us should be servants of God. We should not quarrel. We should be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. We should not be resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently, everyone say gently, instruct. In the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. This scripture is so powerful to me. As a servant of God like me and you, we should approach people gently. We should pray for our loved ones, our friends and relatives and people who we care. We should treat them gently first. Don't quarrel. Don't be resentful. Don't yell at them. Treat them with grace and mercy. And at the same time, pray, God, I know you're so powerful. I know, Lord, you can open their spiritual eyes to see their condition right now. They have been deceived. They're in trouble right now. They're on the road to destruction because they're sinning against you. They are being trapped, snared, and bowed by sin and bad habits. Father, grant them repentance. Help them to come to their senses, to have the knowledge of the truth. Because we believe that when they get the truth, Lord, they will turn around, get out of the calamity and impending destruction, and their life will never be the same. Lord, grant them repentance. Open their eyes. 
Is that the way we should pray for people? Have you ever seen people that you talk to, the eyes are blank? You talk and you, you, they don't get it. They don't understand what you're talking about. They just don't care. You need to pray for them, that they will repent and come to their senses. You still need to love them. Amen. By the grace of God, He can wake them up. He can wake up your husband, wake up your wife, wake up your children, your friends, so that they will live right and get out from wrong lifestyle, and they can turn around and live in the blessing of God. Amen. What does repentance mean? There are four Greek words that means repentance in the Bible. Actually, have you ever heard the word metamorphosis? Metamorphosis is a medical word mean changing from one thing to another thing. It means this way. Metamorphosis comes from the same Greek word of repentance. It means that number one, I realize, I admit, I know, I recognize, and consider what I am wrong. Two, I care. Later, afterward, that I did something wrong. Three, it means I regret of what I'm doing. Four, I transform. I don't go the same way anymore. When you repent, you're gonna walk back in the path of God, and then you're gonna go to the blessing of God. But if you leave, Outside the way of God, you can get into big trouble because sin will cause destruction and corruption. Amen. I hope that all of you make a decision. I'm gonna walk in the truth. I'm gonna walk in line with the Bible, and I pray that you have good, clear conscience. When you start to step out of the way of God, your heart will bother you. Your heart begins to talk to you. Uh, 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 it's wrong, and you get back again in the way of God. So many people sin so much to the point that their conscience is corrupted, and they don't feel bad anymore. If you stubborn long enough, believe me, you are going to have all kinds of excuses not to do the right thing, and you keep telling yourself it's okay, it's okay to do this sin or to commit this sin. Because your conscience is being destroyed already from living a sinful life for a long time. And if you truly repent, you not only regret, but you change. You transform. Crying and feeling bad is not enough. Some people get caught in sin and they cry, but they never change. That is not true repentance. Today I'm going to talk about the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. It's a fun thing to hear. I believe you love it. Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews is very rich in the subject of repentance. The writer was speaking about a group of believers who came into the world before us. These believers walk by faith, fulfill the calling of God in their life by faith. In chapter 11, they obey God, they live their life for God, and now they're all in heaven. They are in the grandstand of heaven and cheering us. Hey, keep running, keep pursuing God, keep having faith, throw everything away that will hinder you. Stop sinning, walking with God until you finish your race. They cheer and cheer us to do the same thing like what they did. Time is short. Jesus is coming. You will not live on this earth forever. One day you're going to stand before the throne of God. And God is going to talk to you. Why don't we shape up now and run the race together? That's what they try to say to us. Cheering us to do. And then the writer of Hebrews say, look at Jesus. Jesus faced persecution. He faced temptations to walk away from the cross. But he still endured the cross because he saw in front of him, one day you and I will be saved, would be healed, would be blessed by the gospel. He said, yes, I'm happy to go through this suffering on the cross for the sake of all of the people in the world. You and me in the future. Jesus suffered so much. He faced so much pressure to the point that his sweat became drops of blood. Have you ever faced temptation? That you have to fight temptation to the point that your sweat come out as drops of blood. I never. It's so bad. But he overcame that temptation. He overcame that persecution to show us that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We can keep our eyes on him when we face temptation to sin and say, if you can do it, by your grace, you can help me to resist this temptation. And I will not sin against you. Verses 3 to 8, the Bible continues to say, Consider him who endured such opposition, him means Jesus, such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Every time you face temptation to sin, look at Jesus. He is our good example. He overcame since the temptation. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. But he shed his blood. We haven't done that. We haven't shed our blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. How many people are sons and daughters of God in this room? God is speaking to you right now. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those who lo- he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. 
For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true son. The writer of the book of Hebrew talk about discipline or correction. Is correction a popular subject in the church today? No. Is correction good? Is correction biblical? Is it in the Bible? Is correction vitally important? Yes. Do you believe that correction is needed even today? How many people are parents in this room? Do you need to correct your children sometime? Yeah, you need to. The Bible talks about correction. God corrects us because he loves us. Because we are of his own. We are his children. And when he corrects us or disciplines us, we need to be patient and we need to be self-controlled. We need to keep this truth in our mind. God brings correction to us because he loves us. God uses people to correct us because he loves us. The devil will lie to you. Oh, that guy corrects you because he hates you. It's not biblical. It's not the truth. The devil will lie to you. Now God disciplined you because he hates you. No. The Lord loves you. That's why he brings correction to you. Either directly or through somebody. Amen? Why this subject is so difficult to preach? Because correction needs a lot of love. Frankly, by my flesh, I don't want to correct anyone. Because when I correct people, number one, they don't want to hear it. Number two, they get upset with me. Number three, I need to bear with their upset for many days, many weeks. They don't want to see my face. They reject me. And when I present correction, it's uncomfortable and it's very tense. People don't like to hear correction words. I thank God for people who corrected me. When I started practice in Seattle, in Kirkland Bellevue, to become a doctor there, I, remember, I never forgot that day. My senior boss called me. Can I meet you in your office? Uh, what? I need to meet you. He walked in and he said, can I tell you one thing about you that you need to change? Uh, okay. Then he told me. I, I will not tell you what it is. If you want to know, I tell you personally. But I will not tell you on the pulpit. He told me the truth about me. And I said, thank you so much. I took care of it right away. I listened to his correction. And it saved my life. I believe he loved me. That's why he corrected me. How many people have this feeling sometimes? You know, I don't want to deal with their problems. I don't want to deal with their mistakes. If I talk to them, they will be mad at me. They don't want to see my face anymore. Forget about it. Let them get a problem. It's not my problem. No, we should correct people. Especially those that we love. 
Amen. No one likes confrontation. But sometimes confrontation is awesome. It's good. Because otherwise, people who are going the wrong road are going to be robbed by the enemy. And they're going to be robbed by sin. And they're going to get into perishing and destruction eventually. They have to pay the price later on. That's why when your love is so strong, you're going to correct people who are doing wrong. Because you love them so much, you are taking the risk of being rejected. God loves us. He corrects us when we need his correction. What should we think when God corrects us, either directly or through somebody? We should say, thank you, Lord. You really love me. That's why you correct me. And we should be patient and humble to receive the correction. Verses 8 to 11, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergo discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and leave? Our father disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seemed pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Let me ask this question. Do you need correction? Do I need correction? Yes. A person who does not need any correction at all does not exist in the world. Every one of us needs correction. People who don't need correction are those who know everything and never make any mistake in life. Do you know everything? Do you make mistakes? Do you do everything right all the time? No. We all, you and me, need correction. All of us need to humble ourselves to be corrected by the Lord. Therefore, don't be surprised if God somebody to you and correct you. If correction comes, don't be shocked. You should not think that why do you have to correct me? I don't need this. No, you need it. You need correction. And I know correction is not fun. Correction is painful and uncomfortable. But correction never hurts anybody. Correction never put you down. His correction straightened you out. Make you better. Get you out of the wrong course. To be in the right course and the right path. Get you out from calamity. If you repent and get into the course of the blessing. Correction is good for you and me. If we don't listen to correction, we can miss the will of God. And the condition will get worse and worse and worse. We need to listen to God's correction and receive it. But not everybody receives it. Because to receive correction is a choice. 
Everyone say a choice. We are living in the generation today that correction is not popular, and people never heard correction from mom and dad. We are living in a generation of Christianity that you never heard correction in the church. People may go to church for years and never heard any correction from the pastor or from the pulpit or from anybody, because they are afraid that if you correct them, you will leave the church. Don't give, don't serve, and disappear. So a lot of Christians move from church to church. And when they get correction, they leave right away. And that happened to me. One time, I called a couple in. They start to practice unbiblical prophecy. I and Pastor Da called them in and say, I don't think your prophecy is biblical. It's wrong. It can be fortune-telling spirit or demonic. Could you stop this? Two weeks later, they came to my home. Bye bye, I'm leaving. People don't like correction, but you know, I and Pastor Da have the job to correct people. And if you don't like it, you leave. It's okay with me. I need to do my job to correct people, and you need the job to correct your children as well. Correction is good. Amen. Because otherwise, people are gonna keep going downhill and get into big trouble later on. We should say, "Thank you, Lord, for sending that person to correct me. Thank you, Lord, for your words of correction, so that I will not go off course. I will go in the right course. Thank you, Lord." Everyone say, "Thank you, Lord. You love me. You bring correction to me." So so quiet. So that. Can you speak it out loud? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, much better. I do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You love me. You bring correction to me. Verses 12 to 15. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Sometimes we are weak, and so we fall into sin. Make level path for your feet. So that the lame may not be disabled. This is actually this all about spiritual thing, not about the body, but rather healed. God wants you to be healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up. To cause trouble and defile many. Why many Christians miss the grace of God? Because of the hardened heart, rejecting the correction of the Lord. And when you get corrected and you have a hardened heart, what happens to you? You get upset. You get mad. You start to retaliate. You harbor bitterness on the inside of you. And you begin to cause trouble by calling people around. I get this sometimes. I correct somebody in Thailand, or preach too strong. Sometimes people get mad at me. They begin to call everybody right in the internet how bad I am. Lie, a lie, a lie about how bad I am. I look at all those messages. I didn't do all this thing. Why you lie? They cause trouble, and I feel bad for them. You know why? They're gonna miss the grace of God. Because they hold bitterness on the inside of them, 
when correction comes to you and me, what should we do? We have two choices. Correction is not fun. We have two choices. The first choice, and I hope you don't choose that one, is to have a hardened heart, reject, ignore, neglect, and say, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing this. Another choice is humble yourself, admit I'm wrong, I repent, I will change. Sometime in our life, and this happened to me many times actually, not just only you, we go on and we think I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right, and suddenly one day, one day I got touched by the Holy Spirit, I found a flower on the floor, and the Holy Spirit came and talked to me. He corrected me about the ministry here. He talked to me. And I argued with him, but I have been doing this for 30 years. And he said, no, stop it. Quit it. I said, uh, how much should I quit? 50%? 40%. And the Lord speak to me, all of them. And I have two choices. Yes, Lord. Or stay stubborn, rejection, and resistance. Sometimes God may come and warn you something. And if God sends somebody to warn you and correct you and you get mad, what you're going to do? You're going to retaliate that person and call everyone around and cause trouble to that person. If you choose that route, you will not receive the grace of God. Correction, repentance, and change require faith and humility. When you get correction, you need to humble yourself and you have faith that God forgive me. You have faith that God will give me the right way to do, show me the right way to do. I humble myself and repent of my sin. Amen? Everyone say humility. When God corrects you, you say, God, show me what is the right way. I'm happy to quit 100% of that way. I will not tell you right now what God warned me that day, but I did wrong in the church. Not, not extremely bad, not like corruption or something. It's just the doctrine. I had a wrong doctrine that I need to change. So God corrected my doctrine about the church, and I repented after that day. God corrected us because he loved us so much. When somebody comes to you and corrects you something, you should respond humbly, by faith, and say, thank you so much. I'm going to change. Let me tell you another one. Not everybody has the right to correct you. You are not supposed to receive correction from everybody. Let me read scripture to you. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This is the way of Christian life. It's like a family. God gives three children to you, and they are your family. You are the parents. It's a family. In the Christian life, 
We are led by the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully. We are led by the Holy Spirit to be joined with a family. I never want to please anyone to join this church. I will not do any manipulation for people to join this church because I think it's the work of the flesh. I want you to join this church by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit you need to lead you to join a family of God. And when that happens, you know and you know I am a part of this family. Even 10,000 elephants try to drag you out, you say, no, I'm not going. I'm going to stay here. Because this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And when you join that, he puts somebody over you in the Lord. In other words, the person in that church that is over you who labor hard for you. When we talk about labor, you need to understand. For example, yesterday I preached all day, get on the airplane, the airplane delay. I have to read this sermon again and again two or three times. I did not have a chance to sleep. I wake up this morning and read again to make sure I did not miss any point in this teaching. I'm a teacher by nature. That is laboring. Those who labor over you, those who are over you, can admonish you. People can correct you not because they're smarter than you, not because they know the Bible more than you, or richer than you. Frankly, I never walk to any Christian and correct people. Hey, you know, I'm a pastor. I tell you. No, I keep my mouth shut. I'm not in the place to correct everybody. I don't have the right to correct anybody. (laughs) Actually, in Arizona yesterday, somebody raised hand and asked me about ministry question. If we see something wrong, how can we talk to that person? I answered that man. I say, your wife cook dinner, feed dinner to that person, and start to talk. You need to earn the right to talk to that person, not just go and then, you're wrong. People are going to, oh, 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 who are you? I'm not going to receive from you. Even though I'm wrong, I'm not going to receive. Because you don't have the right, you don't have the place to correct me. So in the practical point, first of all, I want to say, Christians who don't join any church, who don't know who is their spiritual father or somebody that is over them in the Lord, they have no one over them in the Lord, are in the limbo situation. And they are in the dangerous zone because no one can correct them. No one can talk into their life. And the devil loves it because there's no spiritual covering. I believe every believer needs to commit to a local church and know exactly who is the pastor over you. The second practical point. If somebody calls you up and say, I have something to talk to you, you are wrong. Your first question is to your heart, is that from the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit said to you, yes, I sent him to talk to you, you should humble yourself and say, what time we should meet? I'm happy to listen. But will everyone have the right to correct you? No. And please don't go to anybody and correct everybody. Because you know more the Bible. No. I tend to keep my mouth shut until people open their mouth and say, Pastor, what do you think about this? But if it's my member, if he or she is my member, I know for sure they join this church. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) You might get my email. You may get my phone call. 
because I have the right to talk into your life. But if you're just a guest, you just come by off and on. I'm gonna leave you alone. It's not my business. Let your pastor correct you. You have your own pastor. It's not my business. I don't have the right in the Holy Spirit to correct you. You need to go to your pastor. Amen. And the good pastor will correct you anyway. We are in the generation that people leave church from church to church because they get correction. They get some strong preaching and they could not stand and leave the church. That is not good. We all need correction, and God gonna put somebody over us in the Lord to have the place and the right. To say something to us, to speak into our life, Hebrew twelve fourteen to fifteen, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I pray that you will not be in this situation. That when God corrects you either directly or through somebody, and you get mad, you are resentful, you bitter, and you don't want to receive that correction, you say no, I don't care, I'm right, and then you begin to cause trouble to people. If you do that, the Bible say you will miss the grace of God. I give you one example. A person who did not want to repent, hold bitterness, and get into trouble. That person named Esau. Verses 16 to 17. So that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like who for a single meal sold his inheritance right as the oldest son. Verses 16 and 17. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the bless, this blessing, he was rejected. He did not get the grace of God. He could bring about the ch- no change of mind. He did not repent at all. He think, okay, for that soup, I exchanged my right to the soup. I did not do anything wrong. Though he sought the blessing with tears. Don't be like Esau, a godless man. God tried to warn him, but he did not repent. He may have tears, but the tear is not that he repented. He has tears because he lost something. Don't be like Esau. I mentioned to people in Arizona yesterday, if you read throughout the Bible, there will be two groups of people. I want to choose the right group. One group is this. Esau, Cain, King Saul, Judas Iscariot. The people who have a bad heart and don't fear God and reject correction. Another group of people is Joseph, Abraham, Abel, Jacob, King David, Paul, who humbled himself, received correction, repented, and moved on to do the right thing. I pray that 100% of the members of this church 
is like the second group. That you don't have a hardened heart. You don't hold bitterness. You are willing to receive correction and change. Repent as soon as possible. Are you glad that we're done for today? <laughs> But I have the good news to say. This is just half of this lesson. <laughs> I just finished page 13. I have 22 pages on this lesson. So you're going to come back to here again. I don't say next week. I'm going to pick up Sun Sunday that no one knows to hear about correction. I'm going to go by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows what Sunday you're going to show up. He's going to pick that Sunday. <laughs> so in conclusion today, God loves us so much. We all need correction. Correction is good. And we need to respond to correction with a good attitude. Thank you, Lord, to love you love me. Lord, I receive, I repent. I don't want to go that direction anymore. I don't want to get off course. I want to be in the right course. I know if I repent, I will come out from destruction and calamity, and I will not face preaching. I will only be blessed. I received your grace. I'm going to receive more favor and grace. Yesterday, I talked to Pastor Da when I came back from Arizona. We pray for a big list of people who has cancer. Yesterday, we saw another man with cancer again. And I told Pastor Da, or actually in the airplane, I say, as a doctor, I've seen so many, many problems in the world, especially sickness. I really fear God. I need the grace of God in my life. I need the shield of favor. Is in the Bible the word shield of favor, which means the presence of God around me, like in the land of Cochin. I need that. We're living in the world that is full of cancer, sickness, and disease and attack. I want to live a long life, healthy, fruitful. I cannot do that without the shield of favor Amen. or the grace. The same thing, the grace of God. How can I receive the grace? Humble, repentance, change right away, do the right thing, get in the right course. Keep moving in the right course. If I move out, God, pardon me. I come back right away. I need the favor of God. How many people feel the same way? I need the favor, the shield of favor. We have one teaching about this long time ago in the sermon called "Great Grace," and one of the topic called the shield of favor. Please get that CD. Listen about the land of Cochin, about the the people of Israel came out from Egypt. I talk in detail. After I preach that sermon, I say I need it. I need the shield of favor. I have the fear of God in my heart. Amen. Please receive correction. Repent. Don't give excuses. Don't harden your heart. 
Don't let your conscience go down. Just respond to your conscience right away. Amen. Father, thank you so much. I know, Father, this message is so heavy, so hard to hear in America. But somebody need to preach this and put in the internet as well. Father, we thank you so much for loving us, correcting us, disciplining us. We are your sons and daughters, and we receive your discipline, your correction by grace, in faith, in humility. Sometimes, Father, is painful, but we are not going to fight with you. We're going to say yes, Lord, to you, Lord. Lord, may you help us to be humble, not to fight with you, not to be arrogant, not to hold bitterness on the inside. Thank you, Father. Help us to be in the right course, right path, until we see you in heaven on that day. We need your shield of favor. We need the protection. We need your grace. Therefore, Lord, we promise you, we're going to walk in the fear of God every day. If you correct us something, we say, yes, Lord, right away. And we're going to quit that lifestyle, that way of life, or that practice. We would change right away, Father, and regret of the wrong thing we do, Father. Thank you so much, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Any one of you who want to get right with God today, you say, I want to make sure I'm born again. I'm really a child of God. I want to make sure that my salvation is secure. I will go to heaven for sure. I'd like to pray with you by leading you to pray to God and ask God to really come into your life, repent of your sin, and turn to God. If you want to do that, could you please stand up and we pray together? Or if you walk out of the way today, you say, God, I want to come back. You stand up and we, let's pray. Let's confess to God together. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. I'm going to lead you to pray. Today we have lunch. Please stay for lunch together too, so that we can fellowship. I want to get to know some of you who are new here. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Stand up and repent. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your grace. You forgive me of my sin. I believe Lord Jesus Christ paid the price of the wages of sin for me. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I promise you, Lord, I shall live a repentant life. You can correct me. You can warn me. You can discipline me. I am your child. Jesus, my Lord and my Savior, you were raised from the dead on the third day. You are the living God. I shall serve you. 
I shall have no other gods in my life. My name is recorded in the book of life of the Lamb. I'm a born again child of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Are you glad that you get right with God again? It's so important to get right with God. Amen. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. I'm so thirsty.